turn in your Bible or open your Bible to Romans chapter 16. We've been going through the book verse by verse, and Lord willing, we'll conclude it this morning, uh, and then next week I'll jump to another book. My, my current plan is to go through the book of 1 John, and as we get to the second chapter of 1 John, it um, shows the importance of the law of God, and because we have become such a lawless society, and even um, many people vote to defund law in our society today. I, I just think it's, a, it's an important time for us to approach that subject again from the Word of God. So that's where I'm headed after Romans. But this morning, Romans 16, it's a long chapter. I'm not going to read it all. I want to give you a, a gist of, of where we're going in the first 16 verses. You can see um, just the word greet, 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 greet over and over um, with the exception of the first verse, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. And after her, it's always greeting somebody. So he's commending Phoebe. Then he's, verse 3, he's greeting Prisca, Aquila. He's greeting, verse 5. Um, he's greeting, verse 6. He's greeting, verse 7. He's greeting, verse 8. He's greeting, verse 9. He's greeting, verse 10. It just goes on and on and on and on, all these greetings. And then you get down to verse 16. And verse 16 says, greet one another with a holy kiss. As if to say, now, I've just given you all of these people in the church that I want you to greet. And so that you greet them well, I want you to greet them with a holy kiss. Now, that's a lot of kissing. I hope you brought your chapstick, you know, and your breath mints, and, and you're ready to go. Um, it's a difficult passage for me because I didn't grow up kissing anybody. Um, and not knowing just what's going on here. But we've been dealing from chapter 14, 15, and now here in a strong section about welcoming one another. And as I think about that context that has led up to chapter 16, it makes sense that the Apostle Paul says the church, the way the church welcomes one another is different from the way the world welcomes one another, and you can even observe it. You can see it in their kiss. It's apparent. And we've looked at how we're to welcome people of different races, how we're to welcome people of different maturity, how we're to welcome people of different denominations, how we're to welcome people with different beliefs, how we're to welcome Jew and Gentile alike who are very, 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 very different. And now he's teaching us not only to welcome them, to accept them, but to affectionately embrace them in some manner. You remember John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus uh, speaking to his disciples before he passes to the cross and, and into glory. I'll read that again. John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus says... A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you also, you are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's an observable picture, God says, the world's going to see. They're going to look at the church, and they're going to go, whoa. The church takes it to another level. Look at how the church loves one another. And I think we saw an example of this during our pandemic. 
The world is saying, be apart, socially distance, mask up. And you love your neighbor. I mean, I saw a mask, I, uh, uh, this sign. Patty and I went to Asheville during the pandemic, and we went to this hotel, and they are meeting us in the parking lot. Mask, mask. And then there was a sign, you love your neighbor by wearing a mask. I said, okay, let me think that through. That's what this hotel was telling me. But as I look at Romans 16, God tells me, welcome the church with a holy kiss. So I shared that with some of my brothers and sisters. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you welcome the, the church with a holy kiss. But CDC says, so, well, wait, wait a minute. So we've got the Word of God, and we've got the Word of CDC. Which, which one are we going to follow? And the world beholds how the church loves one another. See, this is awkward. This is difficult. This is cutting edge. How do we affectionately reveal to the world out there that we are followers of Christ by our love for one another? And here's, you know, a strong passage that's different than what we practice. And different than maybe the way we've been raised. And then I thought about Judas Iscariot. You remember what Judas did? The soldiers that were with Judas, he was going to take the soldiers to Jesus. And the soldiers have not been following Jesus. They didn't know who Jesus was. And Judas says, I'm going to point him out. I'm going to run up to him and I'm going to kiss him. And the one whom I kiss... You'll know that to be Jesus. Well, none of the disciples or Jesus would have thought a kiss would have been strange because that was part of their practice. And yet Jesus, and it's told to us, says to Judas, so you betray me with a kiss. What should have been a symbol of affection and unity and love, you've demonstrated your hypocrisy. You've given me the outward expression we're to be known by, and yet it's become a kiss of death. I wondered, God, Judas betrayed you with a kiss. Am I betraying you for the lack of a kiss? Because I love God with my heart and soul, strength, my body? Do I give him the kiss that makes it plain? And the, Oh yeah, the scriptures speak about kissing God. I, Psalm 2, if you're not familiar with it, it's one of these places, and I'll get back to it later, but it's just a very specific phrase in Psalm 2 after it's talking about the, the world and the nations are angry at God and God's angry at them. It comes to the end of Psalm 2 and it says we need to serve the Lord with fear we need to rejoice with trembling we need to kiss the sun S-O-N kiss the sun how do you kiss God how do we take it to another level 
in showing that we are affectionate with the king and head of the church and that we are affectionate with one another. Let's get back to Romans 16 and think about how we can apply this. I counted the people. There are 27 people Paul mentions here. First 16 verses. 21 of them he gives titles. I'm not going to go through each one of them and read it and tell you a little bit about each one. Some of them he doesn't tell us anything about. But the fact that he gives us a lot of titles, like this is my sister, this is my fellow worker, this, this is a precious saint. The fact that he gives titles indicates he knows these people. And he's saying, I want you to greet these people with a holy kiss. These people matter. Now, the categories are interesting to me because he starts, I want you to, I want you to kiss this woman. Then he wants... Who, who nobody really knows anything else about. This is the only place she's mentioned. So she's kind of obscure. And then the next, I want you to kiss this couple who are famous. Everybody knows Prisca and Aquila. So he goes from obscure woman to a couple. Then he mentions another single. Then he mentions an immature person just got saved. Then he mentions a very mature person. So he's covering every category of believer in Christ and asking us to make no distinction to greet them with a holy kiss. 16, 15 verses of 16 times or however, maybe 27 times of kissing. I don't know that I've kissed 27 people in my whole life. I'm still trying to learn how to kiss my wife. You know, how do we go to church and kiss all those that we greet with a holy kiss? It's a way of giving encouragement, isn't it? It's a way of saying you're, you're something special. That our relationship in Christ, where, I love the songs Jonathan picked this morning, where we stand now in Christ is so special that we're united. We're truly brothers and sisters, fathers and children in Christ. So much so that we can embrace one another. We know we are bound by Christ's blood, Christ's love for us. And it takes the encouragement to a whole new level. We're not encouraged nearly as much through programs and bulletins and events and ministries as we are at times through that affectionate embrace and kiss of someone who is there for us. There, let me give you a couple examples. There's a bunch of examples in the Bible. You know, there's all kinds of kisses. We can get into it, but there's the kiss of death. There's the kiss of a friend. There's the kiss of an enemy. There's the kiss of an adulteress. There's the kiss of a father. There's the kiss of a mother. There's the kiss of a spouse. There's the kiss of a child. There's various kinds of kisses. We're specifically referring here, verse 16, to a holy kiss, which distinguishes it from the rest. Because the kind of kiss God's talking about is not inappropriate. It's holy. Holy means set apart. It means sacred. So God's talking about something, and people will observe that it's appropriate. It's pure. It's not the kiss of an adulteress. It's not immoral. 
It's not overboard. It's right and holy and good. Of the five books it mentions greet one another with a holy kiss, one of them says a loving kiss. But the other four say holy kiss. Well, clearly it's a kiss of love. But the church's kiss should be distinguished as being pure and right and appropriate. Let me give you a couple examples. Look at Ephesians, excuse me, it's the Ephesian church, but Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse 36. Acts verse 20. Here's um, Paul going through Ephesus for the last time. And he makes this statement. Acts 20, verse 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them. And he's praying with the elders of the church at Ephesus. So they're all men here. And, and there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and they kissed him. Being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken. That they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. So he's about to get on the ship and go back to Jerusalem. And he wasn't coming back through Ephesus. Had no plans to for the rest of his life. And I wondered, I said, what if, what if I were born in Ukraine? And I stood before you today and said, friends, I know I love you. Been with you. But my homeland's under siege. And I got to go. I got to go back and fight. So you may not ever see me again. That's where Paul was. Would there be weeping? Would my elders gather around and give me a kiss? And say, our union together in Christ is so affectionate and tight this truly breaks our heart that's a new level of being churchmen God wants us to love the church that much now I'll give you an example on the other side of that look at the example of an adulteress Luke chapter 7 and the reason I love this example is because we know in the scripture there is the kiss of an adulteress. Proverbs talks about it a good bit. But here we have an adulteress giving a holy kiss. She can get to that level. And she does. Look at Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Starts in verse uh, 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. So Jesus is at the Pharisee's house. Verse 37. And behold, a woman of the city. That's the way she's described. Who was a sinner. Everybody knows this woman is a prostitute, basically. And her description comes out more and more and more. Um, and Jesus starts teaching, but he uses this woman as an example. I'm just going to cut down to her example. Uh, verse 44. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Simon, do you see this woman? See, the Pharisees were already talking behind his back. If, if Jesus knew that a prostitute was kissing his feet, surely he would have kicked her out by now. 
But Jesus keeps letting this woman kiss his feet, and then he uses her as an illustration. Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she's anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he goes on basically to say, Simon, you're in the little category right now. And you need to up your game. This woman loves much. And you know it because of her kiss. Everybody can see it because of her kiss. So instead of betraying Jesus with a kiss, she's embracing him with a kiss. And Jesus uses it to teach Simon how to love. Love like this woman does. It was holy. It was right. It was clear. Everybody wants to take Romans 16 that I read and talk to about. Everybody wants to take it and say, oh, it's just customary. It's just customary. It's just a custom. If you were over in Germany somewhere, you just kiss each other on the cheek. Everybody does that. It's just customary. It's not customary. Why? Because it's not talking about what everybody does. It's talking about what the church is to do. And it's not talking about a common kiss. It's talking about a holy kiss. And it's not a suggestion about culture. It's a command from God through Paul. 16 times. 16 verses. It reminded me of the old Casablanca movie. Those of you who've who've seen it. The song wasn't so... um, easy to sing, so we, you don't hear people singing it too much, but when I heard it, I thought, there's some good philosophy there, and the song is, a kiss is just a kiss, a sigh is just a sigh, as time goes by, but then another line in the same song, but the world will always welcome lovers as time goes by. A kiss is still a kiss. And everybody knows it when they see it in its purest form. And the world, even the world, will welcome lovers. And Jesus says, the world will know you and me by our love. So I'm not going to tell you how to apply to do this, okay? It doesn't tell me in the text. I don't have the definitive answer. I've got the command. You could kiss your finger, touch it on somebody's forehead, okay? You could kiss somebody's hand. You could kiss somebody's feet. You could kiss their cheeks. I'm not real fond, I'll just go ahead and tell you, of Eskimo kisses. I don't want your nose touching my nose. 
I'm not sure that there's any way to make that holy. But I think we have to say Romans 16 is taking our welcome, our affection, our love, kicking it up to something that is observable. That we need to learn how to do unashamedly as followers of Christ. It's caring for one another, greeting one another with a kiss. All right, I'm going to move on. Not only does he tell us to greet with a kiss, he tells us to be cautious. Verse 17 through 20. It says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. Such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetite and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what's good and innocent as to what's evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So in this same context of loving one another, he says, I want you to love, I want you to welcome, I want you to be unified, I want you to be the church. Now be careful. There are people that will hurt you, and they will hurt you by division. They come in and they want to divide you so that you got one side against another side. He says, don't let that happen. And they divide you three ways. They create a Verse 17, a division contrary to the Word of God. So they bring up something that's, that's not commanded. It's not in the Bible. And the way they typically do this is they just add to the Bible. Some rules, some regulation. They create a division. So they, uh, they come in and say, okay, we're going to make a rule that everybody's got to follow. When you come to the communion tables, put on gloves. And wear masks. You say, well, uh, okay, excuse me, I can't find that. Where, where does God tell us he wants us to do it that way? No, I, I know it's not in the Bible. I just want you to do it. And then you say, okay. Well, then some people say, I go along with that. And then some people say, well, it's not in the Bible. And so now you've got a division. And that's exactly what he's saying. He said, watch out. There will be people who cry, create the division. You tell them it's not in the Bible. They say, I know. I just think it's a good idea. We ought to do it. And they create this division. How, how do these people get away with this? Um, smooth talk, verse 18. Smooth talk and flattery. These are, good, these are good people talking about good stuff. And they persuade cre- creating this division. Why are they doing it? They deceive um, the hearts of the naive. Uh, they do it for themselves more than for Christ. So you've got to watch out. This is going to happen. It's happened in our church a number of times. It will continue to happen. It's the way of people to think they've come up with some new thing and they need to embrace it and they start asking others to embrace it with them. It happens over races. We need to be one race. We need to be or one gender, we need to be uh, behind one political candidate. We need to be one political party. We need to be one denomination. 
We need to be non-denomination. It doesn't, people, see, none of those things are commands. And they come up in churches and divide. And the command to all of us, when you see that happening, what do you do with that person? Did you see the command? Verse 17, avoid them. Didn't say persuade them. Didn't say argue with them. Avoid them. Don't spend time with these people. They're smooth talkers. They're flattery. They're influential. Avoid them. Simple as that. Now, he's not telling us to avoid non-Christians. He's talking about people in the church. He speaks more clearly to this issue in 1 Corinthians 5. Let me just show you that real quick so that you understand his principle. 1 Corinthians 5. Here it's a lot easier or clearer. Verse 9. He says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate. So there's the avoid. Not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. There's some strong language. And he says, I'm not talking about non-Christians. I'm not talking about people in the world. I'm talking about avoiding, not associating with people who are in the church and telling you they're Christians, but clearly living a non-Christian life. Don't associate with us. Verse 11, But I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother. If he's guilty of sexual immorality, greed, idolater, reviler, drunkard, swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what I have to do, what, what do I have to do with judging outsiders, those outside in the world? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside, purge the evil people, evil person, excuse me, from the inside, from among you. Well, he just took it to a different level, too. Because in Romans 16, it says, avoid them. 1 Corinthians 5, avoid them and then purge them. Christians, right? People who, they've already come before the elders, they profess faith in Christ, they've already joined the church, but they're causing division. And they're causing divisions by saying, oh, it's okay, it's okay, we, we can do this, we can do that. It's okay. God says, no, no, no. The caution again, do you see God's love for the church? I don't want us to be divided over race, over denominations, over masks and gloves and dancing or drinking or music. Or, you know, the list goes on and on and on, doesn't it? You've been there. He says, avoid that. Don't let that creep in. It wants to. That's Satan's MO. That's the way he operates, is getting good people coming up with some ideas that people fancy. And we have such a welcoming church. If Christ is going, going to continue to be exalted, we have got to see where our enemy is prowling. Our enemy would love to divide our church again. We're, we're already the product of about three divisions. We're a messy church. I don't want to go there again. So 
if I were your pastor leaving you, I'd be saying just what Paul's saying. Y'all keep loving like you're doing. Keep welcoming one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And, and be cautious now. Be careful. Because your tendency is to get divided. Letting good people persuade you with commands that aren't in the Bible. How do, you, how do you combat that? You've got to be a good student of the Word. When somebody says, hey, I think we ought to do it this way, your first thought is, what does the God say? And go back to the Bible. Give me a chapter and verse for that, please. So I know what God is directing for His church. He's the head of the church. You're not. I'm not. Let's get back to God's way. So strong language here about being cautious. You know, I, I think about some of the sanitary things. The Pharisees wanted to add to the church in their day, saying, we need to wash our hands a certain way before we, we take the, the holy sacraments. And they used to get on to people and divide the church over little sanitary stuff like that. It hasn't changed, has it? So Jesus is, is encouraging us. We are to welcome one another with a kiss. I've never understood how kisses were sanitary. He didn't say they were. He just said, do it. Um, and it's God's blessing. Avoid those who want to cause division and go a different direction. Let's finish the chapter. Verse, so we to be, we're to be caring. We're to be cautious. We're to be the church. When you get down to verse 21 through 27... He mentions people who aren't in Rome. Timothy, my fellow brother, he wants to greet you. Lucius wants to greet you. Jason wants to greet you. Sosipater wants to greet you. Tertius wants to greet you. Gaius wants to greet you. He just starts going through a list of people that are around Paul as he's writing this letter. Actually, he's dictating it and other one's writing it. And they all say, Paul, if you're signing off, tell him I love him. Tell him I love him. Tell him I love him. I want to get in on that. I want to greet them with a holy kiss if I ever see them. That's the church being the church. That's the church saying there are brothers and sisters in Christ outside of our church. I wish I could embrace right now and, and kiss right now and let them know we are one together in Christ. So that's what's going on when I, I call verses 21 through 24, kiss the bride. You've been to a wedding ceremony where the preacher says, you may now kiss your bride. The bride of Christ is His church. And it's, it's awesome that we can be one together. And this, these other brothers in Christ saying, I want to welcome them. Even though I've never met them or seen them, I want to kiss the bride. Greet with a holy kiss. And then it ends, verses 25 through 27, really kissing God. This is the kiss the son section of the passage that I talked to you about earlier in Psalm 2. How do you kiss Christ? How do you kiss the son? And as I've tried to go through that, it, it's, it's, it, it's, it's a lifestyle of praise. It's a lifestyle of adoration. A lot of love is adoration, adoring someone. And we kiss the Son by praising Him. And I see four things that they just 
go into praise, you first praise him for his message. Verse 25, now to him who's able to strengthen you according to my gospel. That's the message. And the preaching of Jesus Christ. Praise him because he's giving us a message of good news. He gives it to us through the preaching of his word. Praise him for that. And then he goes to this mystery according to the revelation of the mystery. And I've already told you what the mystery is. He tells us again here. The mystery was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations. The mystery was that God loved the Jew, the national church, and that was it. And he says, no, no, no. I've always said that I would go through the national church to the nations, plural. The mystery was how is it going to be revealed that God is for every nation, tribe, and tongue. And we've talked about that mystery is now revealed and we see it and we know it. And we don't obscure it anymore. Praise God for that because we would not be here today had he not had that mystery revealed to us. Praise him for the management. I see this sometimes... We, we forget this, to bring about, so he, it goes to the nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. That's management. God doesn't just save you and me. He saves us unto obedience of the faith. He who has begun, Philippians 1.6, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Or go back to the, the new covenant being announced in Ezekiel 36, 26. He says, I'm going to come and I'm going to sprinkle you with water. And I'm going to cleanse you and cause you. C-A-U-S-E. I'm going to cause you to keep my commandments. It is a management unto obedience that our God does with his church. He's the head. He says, I don't just save, but I save unto I manage it in such a way that you grow day by day more and more obedient, more like Christ. And then there's just a praise for the glory of God, verse 27, to the only wise God. Don't miss the word only. He's, there's none other. God is unique. He's the only wise God. Be glory forevermore through Christ. So take chapter 16 as a whole. Greet the church with a holy kiss. Protect the church from division. Avoid those who start going down that path so that they see, oh, I'm ostracized unless I keep the commandment. So that they come back to obedience of the faith. And then... Last, love the church by loving Christ, the head of the church. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for such a wonderful revelation to us in the book of Romans. Thank you that you, you stretch us, even though we've been in the faith a long time. Some of us see how far short we still fall from loving people you gave your life for. Instead, we've created barriers 
We've split, we've divided, we've destroyed, we've deceived. Forgive us of our sins. Lord, may we be one as you and the Father are one. Bring us back to a welcome of the body of Christ that's not like us, that's in every nation, tribe, and tongue. Let us pray for them. Let us be eager to get in on the action of greeting them as brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers in the faith. Father, let us protect the church. Let church not be about us. It's about Christ. And let us be protectors and guards to do church as you command. And may it all be for your praise and your glory. May as we gather with the church and see an affectionate display, it just makes us want to be more and more in love and affectionate with you. Thank you, Lord, for your love, your grace. For those here this morning who just don't get it, open their eyes, open their hearts. May they observe it firsthand as they see us and be drawn to the eternal and wonderful love of Christ. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.